We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Big day for us, Fern. Look at us. Look at us. Friday. Well, it's Friday for us. I don't know about for the listeners, but I suppose not everyone listens on the day the episode is released. But what I'm referring to is we're like a boy band right now. For those watching this on YouTube, we have a YouTube channel, Best Hour of Their Day. And just so that we're clear on this, if in fact we are a boy band, I would clearly be Justin Timberlake and you would be the obscure backup singer that People kind of remember their face, but have no idea what that person's name is. I'm a Joey Fatone. I'm a Joey yeah, Fatone. Yeah, for sure. You're for actually. I mean, like you actually kind of look like Joey Fatone. Like it took me a long time to realize Fatone was that one. Yeah, that was probably you know immigrants coming into Ellis Island, and they're like that one, right? <laughs> and then over the years, they were just like Fatone. We're gonna change that. We're not. <laughs> but, but I can see myself. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? Guess what? Justin Timberlake, sure, still a musician, still probably got an incredibly attractive wife, but Joey Fatone showing up on the Food Network, consistent work. You know, he's 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 always got jobs offered to him. That's me, Fern. That's me. Wait, so are you saying are you saying fat one is better than JT? I you know, I was trying to make that argument and I know that's okay. a little silly. That's a weak ass argument. Yeah. But I'm just saying there's definitely li- there's definitely listeners who are like I know who JT is based on those initials and I still don't know who the hell Joey Fatone is. <laughs> My point is Joey Fatone is doing all right in this world. <laughs> yeah, he's doing fine. So just like just like you, when we part ways, when we break up one day, you'll be all right. You'll I'm be. Gonna you'll- be <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm a survivor. I you know I'm always here. You know you can't count me out, and I think I am like the Joey. Just Fatone. Won't go away. You're like that booger. That I can't ever get off my finger. Like just, it's always there, all stuck the time. There. No matter, no matter how much I try to flick it off my finger. But I mean, look at us mashing CrossFit rife beanies. They, That's right, bro. The, the key to a good beanie is the shape of it, and I think you nailed it. I, uh, it's, which is interesting because I, hand, these are hand woven by me. You made each one of these, like like I my bar def- mitzvah when my grandma made all my yarmulkes to give out. Yep. Yep. Done. You know that what a great Jewish grandma. She I made sit it. around with I sit around and I <laughs> just make blankets and other things. I can see Af- you knitting. Afghans. Speaking Afghans. of, I know it's late if you're listening to this, but it is the last night of Hanukkah. Are you sending me are all eight of my presents going to arrive today? They didn't get there yet? I'm assuming, you know, you, you set it up so big yeah, day, eighth all night, one. all at once. It's gonna or it's, or one big one. Sometimes your parents when you're a Jewish kid like they trick you like, hey, I didn't get you eight, but I got you one really big one. I I got you eight pictures of my middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> I can make it into like a menorah. <laughs> I, uh, I can see we could do that for next year. We could do a middle finger menorah from Fern. <laughs> it's just each one of them is a candle holder. Yeah, each one holds one one candle. I haven't we didn't light the candles. Roz is talking about doing more. Uh, Jewish and overall spiritual things once the baby's born. I'm like, why start now? Why are we going to do this? <laughs> Let's just... 
<laughs> we let's just you know feed this thing and we'll figure out yeah, if just, we just make sure it makes it through make sure she makes it through the day cheers we're both drinking coffee we are in sync today no pun intended right there right oh that was good that was good but anyway for those listening if you're unaware we do currently now put up that's the, a very redundant statement by the way currently now currently now at this moment we <laughs> we put up we put up the podcast on YouTube again. You know, back in the day, we were just dropping the audio on YouTube. We kind of stopped, but we have a great new girl, Katie. Shout out to Katie, who is helping us with our social media. and Best best teammate I've had since we started this business. Oh, she's my favorite. She's my favorite <laughs> teammate. <laughs> she quickly, just based on, you know, the fact that she was nice to me, she rose above you. She rose above you. And... She was trying. I'm not. She she puts our episodes so you get to see us. You get to see us in our Crossed Rife beanies if you want. Um, you know, we have like matching blue outfits on at the same time. It's kind of true. So check that out. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Katie also drops little snippets from each episode. So maybe you want to hear something. So I would say Joe Rogan-esque. That's where I got that idea, you know. I listen to some of his full podcasts, but a lot of time I just head over to YouTube and catch the snippets of, you know, where he, you know, is talking to somebody. Of course. Speaking of which, have you have you checked it out since they switched over to to Spotify? I have. So I like it way better because both the audio and visual is same is in the same location, right? So like the the visual version is YouTube or used to be for Joe Rogan Experience. But in Spotify, it's all the same one. So I can either watch it or listen to it. But either way, it's the same thing. And I can close it out. I can minimize it. Like I think it's way better there. And you can fast forward through the ads by ad. So like as you're fast forwarding through it, it'll tell you fast forwarding through the, you know, the body by J ad that nobody wants to buy any from that shit. Oh, so. I paid a lot of money for that ad. <laughs> Did I tell you about Body by J, how it was Rogue Fitnesses, one of their first clients? No, we should hear that story <laughs> for the one million. And by time. the way, I just want to say uh, I'm going to drop an f bomb. Fuck off, Luke, and fuck <laughs> off, Christian, for making fun of me on social media. I know you listen to this, and I'm throwing a big fuck off. You get my middle finger, Menorah, next year. So, I know. Truth be told, I love the fact that as we are growing, our listeners, our followers on Instagram are getting behind some of our more fun endeavors, such as Fern does Fran and goofing on I think us. I'm going to try to do that prior to prior uh, to leaving on Tuesday. Where are you going? Are you going on vacation? Yeah. I forgot to no- tell you about that, so you're going to have to hold down the fort. Oh, great. I did, <laughs> no, you, you, we're, you, going, we're, going, we're going to an undisclosed, undisclosed location where we will do much, much you know, social distancing and wearing our masks all the way around. I'm sure you're going to wear, uh, wear your mask... Yep. The entire Everywhere. way there. Everywhere. But I was yeah. thinking I might throw down with you, just a little team support. I uh, I got to get in a good headspace for that. Okay, though. let's talk about maybe, so next Monday, oh yeah, because it'll be around the holidays, so prior to the holidays. Well, we're leaving on Tuesday, so I'm not, do- I'm not doing it coming off of like five days of doing nothing, so. So let's do it on Monday. All right, that means I got I to gotta get into some stuff tomorrow. Let's then. do it on Monday. We'll, we'll record it. I'll take off Sunday. And people are, by the time people are listening to this episode, we've already done it. And you know, we've both been under 2.30 at this point. You're definitely not doing under 2.30. <laughs> but anyway, going back to what I was saying, yeah, you can check it out. And yeah, I, I 
enjoy that about Joe Rogan. I think, I don't think I get the ads because I, I pay for Spotify, I guess. I don't even know how that works anymore. I, I just like one day I was just like, why isn't this on iTunes? And I was like, Oh yeah, because it's December. I love listening to Joe Rogan. He is, he, I can listen to him talk about just about anything. He was on another comic, Ari Shafir. Um, yep. And they, you know, he's got another podcast called, I think it's called the skeptic tank. And I listened to like four hours of them talking over the last week. Just he's the world. He's, he is the history's greatest interviewer. I throw him. I, I mean, I have my, um, I know you like Howard Stern. Yeah. I like Howard Stern. I like him. And I actually like a guy named Sean Evans from hot ones. Yeah. So uh, the three of them, I think I'll bring something unique. I think Joe Rogan can just speak on so many things and he's very open-minded. The breadth of his infer- the breadth of his knowledge is astounding. Yeah. He'll have a guest on three years ago and then quote something. I'm like, what? And then, what I like about Howard Stern is just he, you know, digs deep and gets very into the into the weeds and the the psychology of stuff. And then Sean Evans on Hot Ones just asks amazing obscure questions. You know, there's lots of compilations out there of some of his guests saying like, "How do you know that?" And I think those three people really influenced us on this podcast. And they're they're, they're a lot of fun to listen to. Speaking of. You and I both read a book recently, Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. Fantastic book. I just downloaded the book that he references in there called The Greatest Salesman. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a go. Check that out. I think I think it's very The Secret esque. You know the book The Secret by Rhonda yeah. Byrne. I've not read it, but uh, I, but I know of it. I, I'm a big proponent of The Secret. I mean, I think. Look, you and I founded best hour of their day nearly two years ago we launched affiliate you and it was one of those things where we put it out there and then affiliate you has taken off we've got some other new projects coming out and i think a lot of that is just a living by your passion doing what you love and doing it with someone that challenges you in a good way but then you know B, i thought you were going to say doing it with somebody that you love i was i was thinking about that i was thinking about yeah. saying that Don't and then that. and then b just you know putting it out there in the world like hey we're going to do this and it's going to be successful it's just having a positive attitude yeah particularly in you know in these times and which it's interesting because i was just on a uh like a not a individual phone call with eric rosa but like on a group uh phone call within people within the company and they were talking about just you know yes they're putting a ton of in you know they're putting a ton of resources and time and emphasis behind like making sure they take care of both the affiliates and and the team and and employees and all that stuff but i i appreciated the fact that they while they're saying they're like hey we're here to help but they also were like and you should own your own life basically they're like you should own your own future take control of the things you have to take control of um and in doing so, you will get taken care of. And I think that's probably a mind sh- a mindset shift that I that I really would want to push on a lot of affiliates is that you have to own your own life. Like nobody's coming to save you. Like nobody's coming to save you. Me here at CrossFit Rife, you know, or any of that stuff. And what I think, what I found over the years is that if I'm pushing hard enough, and if I'm trying to find solutions, and if I've basically resorted to the fact that I'm not ever going to let this thing die kind of what you and I have experienced is that 
things begin to, and I, and I kind of hate this because I don't, I don't actually think that's how it works in air quotes, like things will manifest themselves, but I don't think that's how it works. I think you just work your ass off and then eventually you hit is really how it works. It's just like, it's like baseball. If you swing the bat enough times, you're going to hit and that's all you're really looking for. Right. But you got to get up and you got to swing the bat. You have to walk up to the plate every single day. You got to grab the bat and you got to start swinging. And, you know, I think that's super important. Particularly right now, when everything, like when it seems that the world is ending every single day on a more catastrophic level than the day before, you know? I 100% agree with you. And I think, you know, people look at me and like, oh, you own boxes and this happened and this happened and this happened. It's like each of those was individual. I owned my box, I sold it. And I was really like, I don't know what I'm going to do for money. Yes, I made money, I sold the box. But at that point, a nutrition company arose. And then it was like, okay that's great. We're doing well here. And at that point I get on seminar staff. And at that point, you know, I've worked for a couple other businesses and then it wasn't long ago, a few months ago that I was like, I don't have anything right now. I'm not making any money. We're in the midst of a pandemic. You know, I wind up teaming up with a few people and then you and I wind up, you know, finalizing affiliate university that we had been working on. And, you know, it's, it's, you just have to put in the work. I, I had a conversation with my father who is rarely impressed by me. You know, he's much more impressed by my younger sister who's smarter and Your business partner. Has, I don't know that he's impressed. By he's me, like, I wish I'm surprised, he hasn't like called, I'm surprised he hasn't called me and be like, I want you to be my son. Yeah. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time he said, why can't you be more like Ferg? <laughs> but you know, but he said to me, he's like, I'm just, it's impressive how you consistently reinvent yourself. He was like, I was a dentist for 40 years and that's all I knew. And I said, you know, I don't think I'm reinventing myself. Like everything I've ever done has been in this fitness world, but it's just, Hey, you know, you got to just keep trucking along, keep moving ahead. And I know we need to get to our topic, but we had a post at this point, a couple of weeks ago where I, one of us said something like, you know, a 12 hour day is nothing to be proud of. And somebody went at us, like dropped some F bombs at, it was probably the most uh, attacked I felt from our, people that follow us on Instagram. And in my mind, A, I laughed at it because I'm like, this response that you're giving us is exactly why you don't agree with us. Like, oh, what about this? And what about like making excuses? Like you're responsible for you, dude. Say it's your boss wanting more hours from you. Say it's this, say it's that. Like ultimately you're in charge of yourself. The reason you and I don't feel that way is because if we had a boss that did that to us, we would figure out a solution and we would come up with a new plan. And it's, it's also, if it also that's again, people misinterpreted what that statement means. It's, it, it's not at all to say that you should not be working 12 hours. Sometimes you're gonna have to work 16, 18 hours. I still do that a on a, day right on a semi-regular basis. And, and, but it's doing the things that I want to do because there's a, there's an end that I'm trying there. There's an end I'm trying to get to or something I'm trying to accomplish, you know? So it's not this whole, like you should never work long hours. You're going to have to, there's no other way. There's like, you know, the, 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 one of the greatest misconceptions in all of the, you know, self-help books is like the four hour work week. You're like, Oh, he only works four hours. I'm like, no, read the book. That's not at all what he's saying. Right. That dude works a ton, but it's about being both. It's like both being efficient and working hard at the same time. Because if you are one of these people that's just always getting into stuff, 
all you're really doing is repurposing your time. I'm doing something else. I work four hours on this thing and I work six hours on this thing. But if you follow me around all day, you're like, this is exhausting. Like, how do you even function? So that's that you do need to work hard. There is no, that is cost of entry. There is no other way. There's no secret. There's no shortcut. There's no, you know, special answer to get your affiliate up and running. It's like work your ass off, do the work on the right things so that you can get return. And then your time starts to freeze up and then you start working on other things. So that is what we were referring to when we're talking about like, you, about, you know, working 12 hour days is a badge of honor. If you're an affiliate owner and you're coaching 10 classes a day, that is not a badge of honor, right? That means like collectively you and, and us have like failed to come up with a solution to get you out of that, right? Because it's not appropriate as, a, as an affiliate owner. Well, and what I would throw on there is, you know, I joke to my father that I want to retire at 30 or 40. He's like, you keep saying that. I'm like, but I feel retired because to me, retirement isn't I want to sit on my ass all day and do nothing. It's that I only want to work on things I enjoy working on. Right. And I'll work 20 hours a day on Affiliate U. I mean, we have, I'll be sitting in this that's desk for the next. Not, that's not true at all. I'm saying I would potentially. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to hold you that. You yeah. said it on the air now, right? It's so like, you have to work more than three hours a day now is my point. It's like contractile potential. I have the potential to work 12 <laughs> hours a day. I have the potential to work 12 hours a day. I just don't feel the need to work 12 hours a day. But I enjoy it. I mean, there are days you and I have three, four calls with, with, with some of the members and each of those calls then requires another hour or two of work. And I love it. Okay. Let's get to our topic. We've been talking a lot about programming recent episodes about understanding intensity, about how to preserve the stimulus. Let's just talk about a little nuancey stuff. You know, easy things you mentioned on the last episode, low time reps. When we talk scaling for, for preserving the stimulus, most often low time reps. And if I ask you why, you're going to give me the right answer. Why are those the three things we tend to scale? Well, because they're the most obvious ones, number one, like when I read a workout, like those are the things I've got rep schemes, I've got movements and I potentially have weight, but if it's a body weight movement or gymnastics movement or monostructural movement, then the load is me. Uh, but outside of that, those are the three things that I have like reload reps time. The, and those are the variables for power output and therefore intensity, right? Force times distance over time equals average power, which is equal to intensity. So those are the three obvious ones. But again, we talk about this in level one, there are all sorts of other things that I can scale as well. And there's seven things that we would cover in there. Some of this, but, some of them obvious, some of them not so obvious. But let's dive into that. I knew you would eventually get the right answer. It took you a little longer than I expected, but you got there. Loads. I appreciate that. I studied. <laughs> Load time reps. Yes. Obviously the most readily accessible change the weight on the bar, change how long you're working out, change the number of reps. But like you, like you said, load, force, time, obviously time, reps, often distance, right? The more reps you're doing, the further you're moving. So load time and reps have the most direct action on power output or intensity, force, distance, and time. So yeah, those are why we tend to go there. But I also think that's kind of like low-hanging fruit. So mm -hmm. let's dive into the other aspects that we could scale. And I really want to take a moment as we get into this to talk about gymnastic movements, because I think that's potentially the most overlooked scaling of movement and also to help people improve at CrossFit. Okay. So if, if you want to go there, then I think the most obvious place to go is to uh, the other variable. Probably the most overlooked variable is function. What is the function of this movement? And when we say function, we're talking about a host of things. So we're talking about push versus pull. 
hip mediated versus shoulder mediated, right? So whether I'm pushing or pulling, whether I'm whether this is a, a shoulder mediated movement, something like the pull up or a hip mediated movement, like a deadlift, um, you're looking at planes of movement, right? So like, is this frontal plane? Is it a sagittal plane? Is it transverse? Is there rotational going? Is rotational stuff going on there? So when we talk about function, first thing we have to identify is like, what is the function of this movement? Is it an upper body pull or push? Is it a lower body pull or push? What plane is this movement happening in? Uh, and then I can start to dissect that and come up with a whole host of potential scaling options in the event that somebody needs that, whether they're just physically incapable of doing the movement or they need to work on the skill aspect of it because they don't have the strength or it's an injury of some sort. So that is the, probably the most reasonable or practical place to go from a gymnastics standpoint. It's like, what is the function of the gymnastics movement? And then I can start to come up with a ton of stuff. So let, let's use an example. The most obvious one being pull-ups. Right, so I have an upper body pull in for the pull-up specifically is in the frontal plane. And we use frontal plane a little bit differently in the medical community. And the medical, just to clear this up, frontal plane and the medical community rotates with the body. So if the person is laying down, that changes where the frontal plane is. But in CrossFit, what we're talking about is this imaginary line that dissects my athlete into front and back halves. If I was looking at somebody from a profile or from the side at 90 degrees, typically what we would say is frontal plane is right about midfoot that would dissect them in half. Um, and when we're talking about frontal plane, this is balance of the athlete in addition to balance of external load as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, oftentimes one of the pitfalls we talk about when it comes to scaling gymnastic movements is always doing the same thing. You know, for most people, it looks like banded ring rows or jumping pull-ups and all three of those are good scaling options. I think first thing we need to address is what's the stimulus of the pull-ups in the workout? Right. So is it, you know, is it high volume? Is it low volume? Is it weighted? Is it, <clears throat> I mean, another one that we haven't even, that we haven't even referenced. And I just thought of it cause we're doing this tomorrow is how many people are doing chin-ups? Right. And you know, palms facing you, you know, not in a pronated uh, position of the hands, but in a supinated position of the hands, palms up. If I was laying on the floor, um, or the, well, you know, the anatomical position, right. Palms forward. So the, that is another way to change that. And you'd be shocked how many people will be able to do pull-ups by changing it to a chin-up specifically the females. They'll get a little bit better with the chin-up than they will with the pull-up. Now there's some, there's some challenges with the chin up, which is like probably not doing a ton of kipping. If any, most people don't have anything that would resemble that kind of shoulder mobility to be in a chin up and have that, you know, that crazy, you know, external rotation and then have full opening and closing of the shoulder. But if they don't have the strength to do a pull up, that's probably where we should start anyway. So like, let's develop some of that strength. And if they can use their own body weight, why not? Let's, let's start there. Like it's, it's a pull up. Yes, it's a chin up, but the, again, the function is pulling myself in a vertical plane in the frontal plane from, or at least my chin from below the object to above the object. Yeah. And I think the, the truth is you're only limited by your creativity. I've seen bands, I've seen ring rows, I've seen jumping, I've seen people set a barbell on J hooks and you go from seated to pulling up. So you're using your legs a little bit, you know, there, you, you can have a spotter to grab your feet. There, there's 
so many options, I think it's important that the coach looks at the stimulus of the workout. In other words, Angie that has a hundred pull-ups is probably meant to be a different scaling option than Fran that has 45 or a workout that has multiple rounds of five, like Cindy, where you're staying unbroken. So you really need to address the actual stimulus of that workout. The other thing to consider with pull-ups specifically, and we'll stick there because it's one of the number one things, at least in my affiliate over all whatever it is, 11 years, almost every female comes in the door who wants a pull-up. And a lot of times what we'll neglect is, yeah, we should do all of this, but pulling in the sagittal plane is really, really beneficial. So think bent over rows, barbell, dumbbell, kettlebell, single arm, double arm, like all of these things just... So remove the pull-up portion of it and just like, what are what what is the function that we're trying to develop here with, by doing a pull-up? And it is upper back strength. So other things that I can do that would develop upper back strength that might be more appropriate than getting up there and doing a pull-up every single time. Yes, we are changing the modality at this point. It is going from gymnastics to weightlifting. I get it. However, you have to think about the context of the athlete. What is appropriate for them right now? And again, when we're scaling, it's almost not, it's almost never the same thing all the time. So it's totally appropriate in some instances to change the modality in order to stay with the function and challenge the athlete in order to get them progression because the scaling, and this is probably where most people, re, if you really evaluate a lot of scaling within affiliates, scaling should progress the athlete towards the end state. And a lot of times it is not, it's just a substitute that allows them to maintain the movement pattern. And, and as strict a pattern as possible, but is then not actually progressing them forward. So That's it is totally appropriate sometimes. To, it's totally appropriate sometimes to have an athlete change from a gymnastics to a weightlifting if if that is ultimately going to progress them forward because they lack strength in in the scenario like the pull up. I think that gets overlooked way too often. You're right. It just becomes a cookie cutter and b. Well, what can I do really quick in this moment to get them to hit that stimulus? Right, if they're even thinking that far in advance. But they have to think another layer on there of, okay, will this scaling not only hit the stimulus, but get people closer to the actual movement of pull-ups? I or think there's a, there's a couple other options in there if you want to get super creative. I don't, I'm sure you've seen it like the banded pull-up with a PVC pipe where they go from either a seated or a standing position. It's just a banded pull-down. So exact same thing, but now I get to add you know an appropriate load on there. Obviously, I use that a lot for toes to bar. I'll, I'll, I'll pull the athletes away from the rig, line them on the floor, because a lot of times we'll do candlesticks, but it's right. like you're not actually firing your lats mm -hmm. like we need to on a toes-to-bar. I would say, thing, go right. ahead. So I was, the other thing is, um, and if, you, if you've got, you know, if you want to put an equipment budget or in there, some there, look, we have two of them here, which is Rogue sells them. I don't believe they make them. I think it's a resale through Rogue, but it's basically a cable attachment. They have like the, they have like the Uber fancy ones for Rogue and they have like the cheap ones that are basically just like straps we can hang up there, which is just like a cable machine. And that's a great substitute because you can load those up pretty heavy as long as you're not really exceeding the weight of the athlete. They can do, they can pull some serious weight, you know, anywhere 40, 50, 60, 90 pounds depending on the athlete and really work on that upper body pulling strength. Yeah. I think another avenue of scaling that gets overlooked is actually just scaling the reps of gymnastic movements. So for example, if we're doing Fran, mm -hmm. oftentimes we think load time reps, but we have athletes that can do pull-ups 
But if they tried to do 21, they'd wind up going like, you know, five sets of four right. or whatever. So maybe you keep the load at 65, 95, but you scale the reps of the pull-ups down. So instead of 21, 15, 9, it looks more like 12, 9, 6. Or even and, 9, 6, 3. Right. And then maybe you do X amount of pull-ups and then you finish with ring rows or the other movement. But again, going back to what you said, if we're always scaling pull-ups and they're never actually doing them, when are they going to get better at them? Right. And I think that, so with regard to that specific scenario, one of the things that we, that we really harp here at CrossFit Rife is if you've got a skill, and this was always Pat Sherwood's thing is like a cat and a dog don't make a giraffe. Yeah. Right. Like, especially when you talk about double unders. Right. Right. Especially when you talk about double unders, but if you've got a skill and this is what I'll tell people, like if you've got a skill, we're doing the skill the immediate default scaling option from there is volume, right? So like if you got pull-ups, I don't want to do jumping pull-ups. It's not helping you. Let's do more pull-ups, right? But maybe just less volume relative to the workout. But if you got, there's no, re it's a scale backwards. That's not progression. And, and again, I really want to enforce this. Like when scaling, like is what I am delivering to the athlete promoting progression? And if it's not, we should rethink it. And let's just, before we wrap up, let's just dive into double unders. I think it's worth addressing for so long, it was, okay, you're not doing double unders, double, triple, quadruple single unders. And like you've said, a, a dog and a giraffe, you know, don't make an elephant or right. whatever the quote was. But, and here's where I would always get so frustrated. I'm like, okay, typically, this isn't an absolute, but if someone doesn't have double unders, they, they tend to be a little less fit. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's part of fitness. Can you balance accuracy, agility, and coordination? If you don't have double unders, you're lacking in those four domains. So now we're saying, hey, you're a little less fit than the people in my class that can do double unders, but I'm going to make you spend twice as long, three times as long, four times as long here. Even though if you're struggling here, you're probably moving slower everywhere else in this workout. So well, there's multiple problems with that too. So I actually had a late, uh, um, a young lady who who I finished up with yesterday. So she's going through her, uh, foundations and in the foundations, we do like a variation, um, of kind of like filthy 50. It's like their third one. It's kind of like where we really test their ability to deal with some level of intensity and it ends with jump rope. And she was like, all right, so we get to the end and it's 30 double unders and, or 30 jump rope is the way I breathe. It. And she's like, well, I don't have double unders. So I'm, she said, am I just going to do 60, uh, single owners? And I said, no, um, you're going to do probably 45. So think about this. If I take somebody who's got double unders, how long does 30 double unders take? 20 seconds? 15, 20 seconds, yeah. Yeah, 20 seconds on the long end. And then how long does 60 double unders take? 30 to 40 seconds. Right. So probably almost double the time frame. So somebody who doesn't have a skill already is struggling with that. And now I'm going to put them immediately behind the power curve with regard to the time domain because of this arbitrary number. And I get where people got this. This was just the scaling option, right? Because I think the thought process was like, people struggle with jumping. Most people don't struggle with double unders. They struggle with the power hop aspect of the double under. So if you are timing. going to, and the timing, but it's, but the first thing you have to have before the timing is the ability to just do a power hop, right? So that, that higher hop of a double under. And so when we scale, we typically like, how long would it take me to do this number of double unders? And then I'll translate, okay, how long would it take me to do or how many single owners can I get in there and do it that way? And it's typically like an additional, depending on the volume, roughly 50% more 
than the double under number, right? So if it's 30, then I'd go 45. If it's 50, I go 75. And it, it matches up fairly well. Like that math doesn't work all the way out as you push it out to the right, obviously. But like for most of CrossFit workouts, like that's a pretty safe calculation to keep people on time, right? That's why 400 and 500 meter row 400 meter run, 500 meter row. It's not because the meters are the same. It's because it's roughly the same time domain. Time domain, right. So I, I would throw in there a couple other methods that I like to use are as people are, you have two levels. You have people that are kind of getting them, and then you have people that are getting them that they're inefficient. So for both of those, you can go, like you just said, okay, well, 60 double unders should take you 30 seconds. So I want you to attempt double unders for 30 seconds. You're not counting this. You're scaling the workout, but at least you're going to get better. And then I don't. That's an option. I don't love that one. Here's the here's the reason why. Well, I'll use it right, so it's not out of the question. But it's this, it's no different than an AMRAP. If it's just attempt for thirty seconds, I've given them the ability to mail it in. I would prefer to make it more of a task priority task within the workout, which is like you're we're going to figure out how many double unders you can do, even if it's like a single double single or a single, single, single double or whatever that combination looks like for them. And the number might be eight. Like, let's just make it up. Like, it doesn't matter. It might be eight. And I'm just like, cool, your number's eight, but you got to get eight because I want you to focus on the skill, not just mail it in for 30 seconds and then move it on. Because inevitably that is, that is absolutely what's going to happen. They're just going to mail it in because they're just like, all right, I just got to be here for 30 seconds and then I get the fuck out of here. Or they wind up degrading back to singles, but I, I agree with you, but that is my next level. So for example, we had a workout earlier this week that was 10 rounds of eight push press, 24 doubles, rest 30 seconds. And for some of the people that I coached, it was 12 double unders. It was eight double unders because not only do they mess up, so I want to keep them in that same time domain, but they're so inefficient that eight double unders for them, even if they're done faster, exhausts them at a different way than 24 does. I mean, 24 double unders for you, for me, for anyone that's somewhat proficient, not a big deal. But eight double unders where you're jumping as high as you can and holding your breath, like that's exhausting. Now, this I think is a separate conversation, but it's worth touching on because largely this is a problem because people are not teaching people how to jump rope. And I use the term jumping rope because I'm, I'm intentionally not using the term do double unders. I'm not concerned with teaching them how to do double unders. If I can teach them how to jump rope and how to develop timing, accuracy, coordination, agility, all of these things, jumping rope eventually becomes very easy, right? Like teaching them how to develop a power hop. Like you can practice a ton of stuff with regard to double unders and never touch a rope or like penguin hops or is what some people call them. Like, but I mean, you know, doing backwards singles, doing in and outs with your feet forward, back 360 turns, like all of these things that require like a lot of concentration for them to, to learn to control the rope and their jump speed and all of these things. So I can develop kind of like those neurological components is what we talk about in the 10 general physical skills. You need to help them develop the neurological components of, of working with a jump rope and do it absent of the double under. Right. So there's a ton a of ways to jump. Right. We have a whole thing on that, but you could also take that into account when I'm doing some scaling options. Like, is this neurologically challenging for them to do this aspect with a jump rope. If we check the box, yes, then it's a, then it's an appropriate skill. You know, and, and we'll, maybe we'll have an episode on that. And as well, the other movement to consider is the muscle up. I mean, when you and I started CrossFit, the scaling was four pull-ups, four dips, there's your muscle up. And what we've done is worked on both of the strength aspects to pull the dip, but we've completely disregarded the skill component 
working on a right. fall script, working on a transition, all of that. So, and, and for a That's lot of that, people, and that movement, that movement is the genesis of Pat Sherwood's comment about cat and a dog. Don't make a giraffe. He's like, you can do both of these all day, but if you, if you leave out the middle part, which is what we see very regularly, the level one, which is the transition and the fall script, it doesn't matter how many pull-ups you can do. Obviously there's some people that don't matter. They're just, they got it. You know, they're, they're the person who walked, they're like, Oh, just do a muscle up like this. I'm like, yes. However, that's no way to make friends. So just don't tell people you did it on your first try, you know? So but how many times have you seen this over the last 10 years at a level one, someone raises their hands. I have 10 pull-ups. I have 10 dips. I've never done a muscle up 20 minutes later. They have their first. And not only do they have their first, they basically have muscle ups forever. Because right. all they needed to do was, oh, pull the rings to my sternum. Oh, do a sit-up. Oh, keep them tight. Super simple. And so then my scaling options that I dial up for those people should have those aspects of the movement in it, whether it's a seated muscle-up or a banded muscle-up or a, uh, the banded ring muscle-up variation. I mean, like just, you know, this is what I tell the new coaches and interns here. I'm like, if you spend five minutes on YouTube, just five, just Google muscle-up substitutions. And you'll come up with a whole host of progressions and substitute scaling options for muscle-ups that you have probably never seen before. I mean, there's a lot. Just pick a movement, but just put scaling options for this or substitutions. You're going to learn something. Five minutes. That's all it takes. Yeah. And that's true for everything involved in coaching. I mean, there's no excuses this day and age with, with YouTube, with podcasts like Best Hour of Their Day. I mean, it's, it's there for you. It's a matter of how much do you care and that's what we talk about with a lot of our clients in affiliate university. That's what separates them. And that's why their boxes are moving on to the next level. It just comes down to care and how much time and effort you're willing to put into it. So great stuff talking about scaling some other movements to preserve the stimulus, to maximize intensity, and then also to progress athletes to the full movement. As always, best hour of their day at gmail.com. If you have questions, Best hour of their day on Instagram. We've got a couple of new projects, new endeavors on their way. So be on the lookout for that. And again, one more time, just want to say fuck you to Christian and fuck you to Luke directly <laughs> for making fun of me on social media. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.